Em, can you believe we are in our third season of Interview Boss? Not really. It's crazy. But that means there are over 90 episodes we've made. (gasps) Oh my God. Scrolling through all of our episode titles, you might miss an episode that actually is exactly what you're looking for. Yes, we get so many messages of people asking us to do an episode on something and we're like, we already have. So we've put together playlists to help you find the episodes that are best suited to you. If you're applying for jobs, we have episodes about resumes, cover letters and job ads. If you've been offered your dream job, we have episodes on resigning, exit interviews and how to impress at your new company. Yes, and we even have a playlist for if you have an interview like tomorrow and you need just our most recommended episodes, just the ones you really need between now and then. Exactly. It is all there for you. You can browse by category. Check out the playlist at www.interviewboss.com.au forward slash podcast. And I just think take the philosophy of engage meaningfully, share valuable insights and updates. If you love an article, Share the link. Tell people why you loved it. Like just, you know, share information that you think is genuinely going to help people. If you see people in their update, share something. Cheer them from the sidelines. Congratulate them. Hey, everyone, and welcome back to Interview Boss. My name's Emma. I'm a third-year journalism student who's teamed up with my sister to give you advice, inspiration, and support when you're looking for a new job. Sarah is a HR and recruitment professional and together we're excited to give you guys all the tips, tricks and behind the scenes knowledge to help you in your career. Hey Em and hello everybody. Today we're talking all things LinkedIn and to help us with that, we've brought in the expert. Karen Hollenbach is an independent LinkedIn specialist trainer and the founding director of Think Bespoke. With over 10 years LinkedIn training and LinkedIn profile writing experience in Australia, Karen was rated as Asia Pacific's top 10 LinkedIn experts in 2019. So Karen, thank you very much for joining us today. Um, Can you give us a bit of a backstory on your career and how you got where you are now? Well, I began as a marketing graduate and decided that I would uh, progress my marketing career by starting in a sales role. So I did that and made my client the corporate ladder working for an amazing organization called Diageo Australia. At the time, it was called mm. Guinness UVB, which people would know about um, that brand. So I did, I'd call myself a corporate escapee because towards the end <laughs> of my tenure with Diageo, I had actually had two children. So I went out on maternity leave twice, and it was while I was on that leave the second time that I made the decision to retrain as a secondary teacher and it had a lot to do with um, the feeling that I couldn't have it all and I needed to really think about how I turned up as a parent. Um, and so through that I retrained and was offered a redundancy at the end of that and because I'd been with the organisation for such a long time that brought me breathing space to finish my studies and really think about how I was going to transition into that next phase of my career. And interestingly, even though, uh, you know, 11 years on from that, I now have a successful educational consultancy specializing in LinkedIn. At the time, running my own business was not a goal at all. As a mother of two young children, I wanted to 
uh, show up in all areas of my life. I love working. I really enjoy contributing. Um, and I've always been quite ambitious in my career. So I was offered an executive outplacement by, and I worked with right management. And at the time they introduced me to LinkedIn. So I just ah. thought it would be the tool that would enable me to find that next job. As I really thought long and hard and went through their executive program for outplacement, I really decided that I was going to have a go at um, probably what's called a portfolio career now. It has sort of a, an actual term where you can do a few different things. At the time, it didn't. So I finished my studies. I went on to work briefly as a secondary teacher, but I moved very, very quickly into corporate training. So I was employed by a training organisation, and then I really built my confidence as a business owner. Started off as a resume writer and LinkedIn profile writer, which is why I love what you guys are doing. There was nothing like this available when I sort of first started traversing career decisions or, or started doing my marketing degree or graduating from my marketing degree at RMIT. So I established my business and really used LinkedIn to nurture my network, um, raise my profile, and I'm sure we'll talk about a lot of how others can do that today. And over time, I really built this reputation. I was originally supporting people who are in active job search, and we still do, but really within about probably three years or so of establishing Think Bespoke, which started off as Bespoke Professional Resumes, I think is worth sharing with you both. Uh, but as I got sort of big girl about my business and took it a little bit more seriously, a lot of my colleagues who had worked in corporate and were sort of watching my journey asked me to do for them what I was doing with my personal brand on LinkedIn. So I really embraced the concept of thought leadership and niching in my subject matter expertise. And mm. as a content marketer, so I'm a trained marketer, that was my undergraduate degree. I did my graduate diploma in secondary teaching. So because I had that strategic marketing experience, I really worked out how to engage meaningfully with my community to sort of build my brand. And I love that I looked through, I was saying before your podcast episodes, I love that you're talking about storytelling and that you're really mm. sharing with people a sense of how you really need to turn up as a career professional, especially online. So I think timing's everything. And I like to say to people, it took me 10 years to become an overnight success. Uh, in 2018, <laughs> I was ranked in the top 20 LinkedIn experts in Asia Pacific. And in 2019, I was ranked in the wow. top 10. I think I landed as number six. Uh, importantly, while I love peer reviews and I'm very proud of that uh, sort of expert status, what's really important is sort of re referring happy clients. So Think Bespoke celebrated 10 years of business last year. We became a company in 2015. I lead a collective of freelancers. So importantly, uh, motherhood has still absolutely maintained a priority and I um, I didn't laugh during COVID, but I thought it was very interesting to see people adjust to the home office environment because for people like me, it was really embracing a culture that I have nurtured since uh, taking that uh, outplacement and really re-engineering my career so I could turn up meaningfully in all areas of my life. So I love that. Um, I love the sort of concept of uh, your podcast and what you're doing to really enable people to think about how they're being successful in their career and all the sort of nuances of the tools that they need to use because I think it's really overwhelming for people to know where to start. So hopefully today I'll be adding some tips from a LinkedIn perspective. 
Yeah, I really love that story. Thank you so much for sharing. Um, yeah, wow! Congratulations. That was a that was a career story <laughs> and a half. Well, amazing. You know, you've got to take control of the sort of the life you want to live for yourself. You want and you want to create for yourself. And that sounds like a quote that we'd all engage with on Instagram. But how you actually <laughs> do that is is really different for every single person. And mm-hmm. um, for me, it meant you know it, I my career change took time too. The, from the point of making the decision to where I am now, it's been a whole lot of hard work. Yeah. And I really enjoy how everything's kind of come together with your marketing background and the teaching and you're actually leveraging all of those. It hasn't been a career change where you've left something mm. behind. I'm sure you're using a lot of those skills and experience in you know the business that you've built today it's a really interesting point in the context of story you know and how you do present yourself on LinkedIn because in many ways I felt I had left it behind that I'd left this corporate life and it wasn't until I started to get invited to guest speak and one of my um, colleagues who invited me to speak to a global recruitment network I sent my bio in sort of one of the first times I had to send my bio in he said oh Karen that's not how I see you at all And I asked him, I said, well, Glenn, how do you see me? And he said, well, I really see you as someone that's come from the big end of town. You've worked with big brands and now you're using that experience in marketing to leverage it for smaller business owners and career professionals. I said, thank you. You've just helped me rewrite my bio. And I've found often within my career, especially since establishing my business, that it's the wisdom of others and it's really listening to what other people's perception of me or my skill set is that has really helped me position my personal brand so you can have a view of what your skills are and being open to how people perceive you and where they think your strengths are is a I think an asset Mm. and something that people should consider I love how the plan was never initially the LinkedIn thing but it just it's you just sort of fell Mm. into it I think that's yeah I love when that happens and what does your role as a LinkedIn expert involve Well, my niche is really content marketing and it's so from what that means for people listening is it's um, turning up as a subject matter expert to share uh, all the things, all the questions that people have got about LinkedIn. And so I was never trained in content marketing as, um, as a marketing graduate. It was a concept that came to me and it was around the time when I first established my business and it was sort of said that if you had this approach of content marketing that you would uh, be really clear about the client communities that you serve, that you would share content and that, that could be video, it could be podcasts, it could be blogs. For me it was blogs. I wrote a blog every week for the first five years of my business and that you will attract, acquire and engage the community that you want online. Now I thought, is that a joke? I just have to write blogs and people will <laughs> sort of flock to me. And it didn't, you know, it, nothing's a silver bullet in business. But my LinkedIn expertise now is really showing people how to get a very, very clear focus on who are the ideal clients that they serve, who are the ideal organizations who they'd like to work with, where do they want their career to go, whether that be as a a job seeker or whether that be someone who's established their business. And it's making sure that the story they tell online and the way they present themselves on LinkedIn is really serving those communities. Because I think what can happen is um, people can fall into the trap of comparing themselves to their peers and worrying about what people are thinking about them. Whereas it's much more productive from a career progression point of view, I think, to be sort of focused on the prize and thinking about what you want to be known for and who you're trying to influence. And I think my expertise is also very much in that space of beginners. 
So I really like holding people's hand and showing them how to unlock all the free features of LinkedIn. My personal and organisational mission is to help people unlock their potential. I've worked hard on cultivating you know, who am I? What is it that's relevant to talk about? What's compelling? What's appealing? What's still 100% genuinely me and my story? So I get great pleasure through my LinkedIn expertise in really drawing people out, understanding what their superpowers are or where they would like to head and then really showcasing that on LinkedIn so they can engage meaningfully with their current community, but also create opportunities for themselves. And I think that um, my niche is special because there's lots of very sophisticated and salesy transactional LinkedIn trainers out there. And I think they absolutely play a role. I'm I'm not sort of disqualifying them as experts, um, but certainly my niche is to help people get out of their own way in Mm. lots of ways and and embrace their online identity because it's scary right it's it's I say to people what you put online you you might as well put it on a billboard because you know everyone can see it everyone's going to judge you um but how brave are you going to be yeah and it can it can hinder you it can help you you know there's a lot on the line with what you put out there um, I guess um, for a bit of background, I love how you mentioned that you, you enjoy working with beginners. So on that note, I'm a huge fan of LinkedIn, but some of our audience don't have profiles and Emma included doesn't have Including a me. It's been on my life admin list for about six months and I just keep forgetting <laughs> to find the time. But after this episode, I will because I'll have all the tips. So that's right. it's perfect. Um, Oh, yes. Can I ask you a question? I know you're asking me the questions. Yeah. What's the block? Why haven't you created that LinkedIn profile? Oh, that's a good question. I'm not usually on the receiving end of questions. Um, I think probably because it feels a bit too advanced and corporate and like you know if you asked me to make an Instagram account I'd be like oh easy but LinkedIn just seems too professional like I'm out of my depths I think would be the answer. I've been just That's putting so it off. That's so interesting because I just see you as so brave as someone listening to that first sort of opening uh, podcast of why you've got interview, you know, interview boss, yep. why you've got the podcast. I sort of saw you as being incredibly brave and I instantly kind of went over and looked and I went, oh, I can't find you. you know, <laughs> yeah, you know, I'm hiding. I wonder if there's intern opportunities or that, you know, who could I connect her with? Yeah, yeah. Knows. I was like, oh, okay. Um and so I think that's really common. So I, I don't think I drew out a question thing. I, I think I asked you a question, but did you want me to share some tips for beginners and why they might have yeah. LinkedIn in the first so place? <laughs> what is the platform? What's it used for? And, and why should you definitely get on there, Emma? Yeah. <laughs> yes. Well, it's actually slightly older. It celebrates, I think, its 18th birthday on May the 5th this year. I was just reading some, you know, 31 interesting stats about LinkedIn on a Hootsuite blog uh, that I thought was pretty interesting. I was looking for user stats, but I thought that was yeah. quite interesting. So it's actually the oldest social media if you choose to classify it as social media. And I personally do not classify it as social media. So, Sarah, you would know this that. LinkedIn really established itself originally as a Rolodex. So the way it was set up and the way Mm. maybe some people find the user experience not as thrilling as Instagram and Facebook and other, um, you know, 
We could talk about Clubhouse. We could talk about all the <laughs> sort of moving pieces that exist in the social world of social media. So it was originally really set up as a Rolodex, a way of staying connected to all your professional community, but most importantly as a, a place to find a job or to find mm. people to place in jobs. So it very much its heartland started as a place for job search. So you can um, set up your LinkedIn profile. So originally you could set up your LinkedIn profile. People would post jobs. You could apply for the jobs. There's heaps of recruiters on there. There's lots of hiring managers on there. It's where most people will uh, probably look you up. Now, other more social platforms, they'll absolutely look you up. And I heard your um, your episode, heard the one around social media, and she was talking about Spotify and all the other yeah. places that people can find you. Um, so it was originally set up as that place where you could find a job or people could look for you and your talents and your skills. It's evolved over time. And when Jeff Weiner, the previous CEO, uh, took over LinkedIn, uh, he really looked at it more from a content marketing point of view and a news point mm-hmm. of view. So he really decided that he wanted LinkedIn to be the place where busy professionals across all industry niches would come to get their news. So um, of the uh, millions of, I think there's a significant number of, I could give you the stat, it's something like 677 million LinkedIn users. Um, there's wow. 15, between 12 and 15 million in Australia and of those about 50% are active. There's a skew towards men versus women, so about 57% men versus women. We're seeing a rise of small business owners on LinkedIn and it tends to be for professionals. However, LinkedIn's done a really big push in the last maybe three to four years to also encourage people like Emma to be on LinkedIn. (laughs) The reason it's doing that is, I'm going to be frank, it's from a data point of view, like it wants to get you on early and groom you. You know, the reason why McDonald's offers my 13-year-old child a $1 offer as he scoots past on his... However, there's huge benefits for people studying and also graduates. And the main one is that you can learn from industry experts. You've got instant access to thought leaders across all major industries across the world. The World Health Organization does LinkedIn lives informing people of what's happening with COVID. Scott Morrison, our prime minister, does uh, LinkedIn articles sharing what's happening in the, you know, the management of the world. Jacinda Ardern from you know, New Zealand's on there. So there's lots mm-hmm. of thought leaders publishing content. So it's become a place that you can curate your newsfeed. It's absolutely a place where you can also um, find a job. You can follow company pages. You can get to know their culture. It can prep you for when you go into job interviews. It can help you research particular organizations. I mean, I know there's a whole generation of people who really don't want to work for organizations who aren't taking their role as corporate citizens properly. So you can get a sense Mm -hmm. of the whole culture of the organization. You can have a look at who works there. It's now become this Um, I like to call it a virtual library that you can sort of walk down the corridor and pass amazingly interesting conversations. You can choose to engage in those conversations through the public newsfeed. You can privately message people. So it's become so much more than a place where you can find a job, but it's still at its core where lots of professional jobs are advertised. And that's from internships right through to CEOs. It goes all the way through. Okay, you've convinced me. (laughs) So, Emma, when are you going to have your LinkedIn profile created by? Tonight. You'll be the first person I connect with. (laughs) That's very, very good. Good, good, good. What's compelling for you? What is appealing for you? I think the connecting with industry professionals. I like that idea. Yeah. 
Yeah, and people and do all the other yeah, stuff as people well. do business with people they and create job opportunities for people they know, like and trust. So for me, because you say at the start of this podcast, you know, you have a very clear sense of why you created the podcast, what you're doing, where you are at in your career. So as a natural connector and someone who likes to help people reach their full potential, I would I just automatically, if someone said, Oh, do you know anyone that's looking for opportunities? That's how LinkedIn works. People flick each other's LinkedIn profiles. They send joint messages to each other and say, oh, hi, Emma, you know, you mentioned that you're looking for opportunities in this. I'm introducing you to, and it's a private message. So it's not done really through email. And then you can check out that person's profile. They can check out yours and so on. Mm, Absolutely. Incredible. Yeah. And on that note about jobs, I've, um, I've noticed a lot more LinkedIn has actually um, enabled some job scraping. And I think that's because, you know, they're obviously trying to get more uh, opportunities available up on LinkedIn. And so they're lifting them off other platforms. So Ooh. that hasn't necessarily been posted directly to Ooh, LinkedIn. I haven't noticed um, that. That's really interesting. I'd expect yeah. that you would, but I haven't. That's very, very interesting. Yeah, they're um, pretty, uh, let's say, proactive in terms of wanting to provide as much value as they can to keep people on the platform for as long as possible. Yeah, it makes a lot of sense. If there's not enough jobs on there, you know, people stop going there. So they've they've got kind of an indeed, you know, job search mentality, it looks like, at least for the time yeah, being. Yeah, and it's a default notification as well. So your profile is really by default designed to be as a job seeker. And unless you tell the algorithm or the link, you know, unless you tailor your LinkedIn experience, and this is the same for any platform unless you take control of your settings unless you tell the LinkedIn user experience why you're there unless you and I don't mean literally you fill in a form saying why you're there but you are it's about how you engage with content LinkedIn will by default just assume you're a job seeker suggest jobs to you based on your profile and that's great for some people but for people who are not in active job search like Emma for example it's confusing and so really taking control of your newsfeed making a decision about industry leaders who you want to follow is the way to get the most out of the platform all free which is cool so yeah so we've convinced people why they should definitely make an account so say we have created our account what are the absolute basics necessities the very first pieces of information to put on there if you're not going to do anything else what are the first things that should go on I really feel a photo is one of the most important things. So I would never never advocate a photo on your resume and we can debate that. Um, however, your LinkedIn profile <laughs> is, you know, it's LinkedIn is a virtual room and your profile is you stepping into meaningful conversations. So there's stats from LinkedIn and various other authorities that say a profile with a photo gets 14 to 21 more views than one that doesn't. And then we sort of go into this idea of sort of optimizing your profile. So People won't connect with, are less likely to connect with you if you don't have a profile photo. You want to detail, you know, there's different sections within the profile. So you definitely want to put your current employment or your current education if you're not employed. Even if you had a part-time job, that's completely acceptable. Maybe you've just done some voluntary experience, that's completely acceptable. And then there's this about section at the top, which is a bit of a game changer if you take it seriously. So Um, For the sake of this conversation, it's kind of like your professional summary on your resume, but it can be so much more. So I really feel like if you've filled in your about section, you're giving people a strong sense of, well, who am I? What do I believe in? You know, am I studying at the moment? Pretty much you could script, you could cut and paste the script of what you say on your first um, podcast episode, Emma, 
and give people a sense, yeah, but give people a sense of I'm here to learn, you know, I'm, this is where I'm at in my studies and I'm, I'm keen to understand. Um, if you've moved through four or five roles in your life or three to four roles, you can give a sort of a snapshot of the type of professional you are, the scope and breadth of the experience that you've had, and then you can list your experience. And I guess how much detail you write in your profile is really based on what your goals are for LinkedIn. So some people, you just set up a basic profile. So you've got your headline and the default is to your current role. You can tailor that if you want to, but if you're really just there to learn and you're there to um, connect and reach out to people who might, you might already know or who you want to learn from, then just some basic information. So people can say, A, is she real? B, why is she here? C, do we have any mutual connections? Because you wouldn't just start talking to some, some people do, but I would suggest that it's your, it's a more approachable, conversational, appealing profile if you're giving people a sense of why you're there. And I like to think that subject matter expert, experts and thought leaders, that people who are studying and graduates are in the strongest possible position to reach out and connect with leaders of industry because they should be saying, look, you know, I see you as a leader in the industry. I really want to um, stay up to date with the um, updates in your newsfeed. Thought I'd send you an invitation to connect. I don't know many good business leaders who wouldn't respond to that, which just puts you so on the front foot when you move into active job search. Yeah, absolutely. Um, being connected with someone or, you know, following the company, it gives you something to mention in your cover letter. Hey, I love that yeah. post that you did the other day. I've been watching your company culture. It can give you a huge leg up when, you, uh, when you're starting to apply for jobs. Yeah, definitely. So now that we have the basics, um, and there might be some people out there listening who, you know, they've, they've created their profile a while ago, they've been on the platform, but they've kind of they haven't done much with it. What can you do to take your profile and your experience um, to the next level? Well, there's a few things you can do and LinkedIn's always offering new features. So people may or may not still be able to access the pronounce your name feature, which was available on your profile a little while back. I think it's dropped off. Um, you'll find features of beta tested and AB tested. You could tailor your headline. You could look at the featured section of your profile, which allows you to drop in links, posts, articles, um, and external links and PDF documents. So if there's particular projects that you've worked on, you could have a go at, I call this this idea of tending to your LinkedIn garden. If you have worked in some roles, you could request recommendations from people quite senior that you've worked with and that can publicly be displayed on your profile. So it's kind of like a Google review for you, right? You can say anything you want about yourself on your profile, but to have a leader of a particular organisation give you a recommendation is as powerful as a referee in a resume or a testimonial mm. for a business owner. You could uh, also curate your skills. So you could have a real look at your skills and say, well, I can list up to 50 skills. Are they relevant? You could ask your connections to endorse you for those skills to say, look, don't just take my word for it. 99 other people have endorsed me for LinkedIn training. And then the game changer with LinkedIn when you really start to get value from it is to curate your newsfeed. So you want to go into the main newsfeed. You want to decide the organizations who you're going to follow, the people you're going to follow. You might, um, you can follow hashtags. So you can choose the hashtags that you you wish to follow. Be careful with that one because I can see, I can go and look at a LinkedIn profile and see all of the hashtags you're following. So if you've got some sort of 
fetish interest and happen to be following it on LinkedIn <laughs> and say it's probably not the spot to do that, do that over on Instagram. Um, so more the professional yeah. hashtags you can be following. So you can get into some really interesting conversations or you can just have some interesting stuff come through your newsfeed. And the curation of the newsfeed is the game changer because otherwise LinkedIn's just going to think, it's just going to treat you like a job seeker, whereas you, which could be fine, but also it, the, the pre-job seeking or Emma, in your situation or people even in active job search, you actually want to get more than just the job notifications. You want to get the industry news and the things that are going on. Um, and then we can talk about networking and posting. Yeah. They're things that people can also Let's think about. Oh, well, networking is an interesting one. So I believe you should connect with everyone you know. So what I mean by that is everyone you went to school with, sport, family, friends, everybody. And it's back to that idea that people create job opportunities for people who they know, like, and trust. So and I, if I think of some of the biggest opportunities I've been invited to they're old bosses that have watched my journey for years never engaged in any of my content but he actively you know an old boss just actively recommends me all the time which is lovely and I really appreciate it so the networking piece is making sure you're sending tailored invitations to connect for everyone that you know and if people tend to access their LinkedIn profiles from their phone be really careful with this one because if you hit connect from your phone it just sends them a a templated message which some people will not accept invitations to connect if you haven't bothered to personalize the message so you can just click to the right hand side depending on how so Emma for someone like you who's just set up their profile and doesn't have many connections LinkedIn's going to make it really hard for you to send invitations to connect to people but once you've um, started to get more connections and LinkedIn trusts you more. Sounds weird, doesn't it? Like it's a real person. It's not, let's be clear. Um, you will then find it easier and you'll just get used to how to send personalized invitations to connect. But in the early days, that's a bit more difficult. Let's say you're going to a professional development event or you've got particular um, conferences or people that you just really, really love and read and listen to, you know, maybe people listening have not connected with you, Sarah, on LinkedIn. I don't know what your connection criteria is. Mm -hmm. Emma will have a LinkedIn profile after tonight. So it's starting conversation. So if there's people that um, you're watching or if people that are, um, I'll give you an example. I went to an International Women's Day lunch last week. Uh, Emma Alberici, who's an ex-ABC uh, news uh, journalist uh, mm. spoke virtually and she was incredible she was amazing and so I um, sent her an invitation to connect and just said thank you so much I really valued your wise words and she accepted my invitations thank you very much Karen that's it so you just need to reach out to people from a networking point of view that you're genuinely had a conversation with or been in the room with or have listened to or read or you know and that's a really great way for you to build your network over time so that's sort of the networking element and also accepting invitations to connect so I really want to encourage people to be open to accepting invitations to connect from people they don't know that's what I was yeah going to ask it what's the etiquette well, can you connect with people that you don't know are people going to find that weird what's the story I think some people do find it weird and I'm on a bit of a mission to encourage people to think about the introverts of this world, the sort of people who are more digitally savvy and it just feels really normal for them to connect in that way. And so I would encourage you to have a connection criteria. So 
what, which strangers will I accept invitations <laughs> to connect from? I know that sounds strange. So it's not an invitation to go out for dinner. It's not a job opportunity. Mm. You know, it's, it's just someone saying, can I add you to my network? Now, of the 10 people that invite me to connect, there might be one or two that are salesy and do a follow-up email and they're annoying mm. and either ignore them or just remove them as a connection. But of the other eight... They're normally people who want to learn from me. They're people who have um, I've, my name's been recommended to them. They're friends of friends. They're people that maybe listen to me on a podcast and just want to reach out. And so I just believe in sort of I'm a glasses half full kind of person. So if someone reaches out to me, there's going to be a reason mm. and you just accept the invitation to connect if that's within your connection criteria and I'll give you a sense of what that might be. Um, and then you can send a follow-up message if they look like someone that you would like to get into a conversation with or you do nothing. Mm. You know, you just accept the invitation to connect. And then if the information is coming through their newsfeed that you think, oh, it's a bit boring, I don't really want this in my newsfeed, you can choose to unfollow that person and they're not going to get a notification saying, Emma hates your updates. <laughs> and <she's>, <laughs> That <laughs> doesn't happen. You're still connected to them but you don't have to follow their updates in your newsfeed. So a connection criteria might look like something they operate in a country that I do mm. business with or that I work in, they are in an industry that is of interest to me or um, I find interesting or I'm curious to know more about, they have a headshot photo, mm. they look like a real person. I err on the side of openness and people will reveal themselves extremely quickly if they have, you know, if they've got confused and they thought they were on Tinder, um, <laughs> which can happen occasionally too. It's a numbers oh. game, right? Um, so you, there's ways to protect yourself in accepting those invitations to connect. So mm -hmm. you can just block, remove, rem remove the connection if there's any bad behaviour, or you report them, which I actively do. Yeah. If there's someone sort of conducts themselves inappropriately which rarely happens um I will be the first person to block them and report them yeah it's so funny you call that you know connection criteria because I think I've I think I've had that for a while now I just didn't ever have a name for it you know when you're recruiting certain roles you tend to get a lot of people trying to, to connect with you and I kind of said if you're in a country that we don't operate in um and you're in a completely different industry I don't think I'm going to be able to help you and I don't think you're going to be able to help me and I just mm. there's not a match there. But if there was the location or the industry match, yeah, that's that's kind of um, how I would decide to connect with someone um, even if I didn't That's know. good. Yeah. And it's powerful because it's, it's back to that step of taking control of this tool for your goals. And I have to say that if there's anyone listening who doesn't accept invitations to connect from recruiters, can you please change that plan of attack? I don't know how you feel, Sarah, but I get a lot of people who move into active job search say to me, oh, yeah, I've never really accepted invitations to connect from recruiters. And I say to them, well, and how's that feeling now? You know, do you regret that decision? <laughs> because there's this feeling of recruiters are going to want something. I'm like, you need recruiters in your network. You mm. need to have people who are connected with lots of people in your network because you just never know if you want to offer help to someone or you need help or you're on a project and you're looking for a particular type of resource. Your LinkedIn network is the network you should be tapping into. Yeah, and if you're connected with people like a recruiter who happens to have a huge amount of connections, you then get access as a second-level connection to view all those other people's profiles. And that's something that can be really handy if you're trying to research a company 
And, ooh, your friendly neighbourhood recruiter has meant that you can now view those profiles because they are that intermediary for you. Absolutely, and that's a game changer. So anyone who's listening who doesn't know this idea of a second-degree connection is, depending on your settings, because I will only show you mutual connections, I will I lock a lot of my settings down and you can't see my whole network, um, but some people might leave that open or you can certainly see mutual connections. And so if I ever see that someone hasn't locked that down and they're in a particularly interesting industry that I'd like to research, the first thing I do is just trawl through all of their connections and have a look at if there's anyone. And then I would say, let's say they're Sarah's connections. I would say, oh, Sarah, I see that you're connected too. You know, how do you know them? And, and I will get off LinkedIn pretty quickly in that situation. Like I won't use LinkedIn as the tool to connect me. I will use the relationship that not you sounds like the wrong wrong word, but I will talk to the person on the phone, pick up the phone <laughs> and really say to them, look, how do you know them? And this is why I want to get into a conversation with them. Could you please introduce us? Or And I don't want to make anyone feel uncomfortable, but half the time they'll be like, oh, that's my auntie's brother's sister's. You know, it's if you take this principle of being connected with everyone you know, um, I'm more than happy when people contact me and say, um, you know, who do you know, but you can't see my second degree connections, unfortunately. But for most people, you can't. They don't even know about that idea. It's true that people can see when you've viewed your profile, right? I saw a viral TikTok the other day where someone had just figured out that that was a thing and they were like, oh my God, I've stalked the same person 300 times in a day. So that is a thing. Yes, it's a thing. And old boyfriends, I mean, if we want to talk about the mistakes people make, the number of people that no, they yeah. have old boyfriends and girlfriends looking them up weekly. It's like changes settings. <laughs> so interestingly, about sixty percent of LinkedIn users globally flick their LinkedIn profile settings, profile viewing settings into anonymous. So what that means is if you've got a free account and you want to have a look at who's been looking at your profile, you can actually only see the last five people. But if one of those last five people didn't have their settings clicked to anonymous, you can see exactly who's looking at you. And apart from the stalky element of that, I love it as a conversation starter. So if it's a first degree connection, I will actually message them, depending on who it is. Like half the time I'll know why they're looking at me, but I've just had a conversation with them or I will actually send them a message and say, ooh, I see you're looking at my profile, you know, how are things going with you? Or if it's a second degree connection that's in potential client or if it's a particular industry I'm interested in, I will actually send them a personalized invitation to connect and say, LinkedIn tells me you're recently looking at my profile. Now I have to say, I don't have a great hit rate with people accepting because probably half of them go, Oh my goodness. Panic. She's onto me. (laughs) She's onto me. She knows I'm looking. They say nothing, but the ones that do accept say, Oh yeah, I got your details from, or I see that your skill sets this, and I hope I could have a conversation about this. So Really, there's a lot of intelligent, there's a lot of data related to your LinkedIn profile, whether it be your analytics or who's been looking at your profile. And analytics are number of profile views, number of times you've come up in searches, if you've chosen to post, which we haven't talked about. So you can go into visibility, privacy, so privacy settings on the top right hand side of your profile, visibility, and you can choose to be completely visible, which means you can see who's looking at you and they can see if you're looking at them. But use that to your advantage, right? Think strategically about that. Go onto Facebook if it's old flames. Maybe not LinkedIn is the place for that. Um, but really use that strategically. And there's, there's two other options. One is uh, it will tell you sort of title and industry, and I don't recommend you choose that option because it's really easy to work out who you are um, or completely anonymous. So, Hey, Job Hunters. 
big news. Our all-new course, Interview Academy, is live and ready to transform your interview game. It's all the strategies from Sarah's one-on-one coaching, but without the limited time slots. Yep, it takes you step-by-step-by-step through crafting your career story, coming up with your awesome best bits and all the practice you need. And guess what? It's at a special launch price, never to be seen again. Get more information at interviewboss.com.au forward slash interview dash academy. It's linked in the show notes below. Emma, let's just say you've set up your LinkedIn profile and you're like, how am I going to write this? So, of course, the first thing you do is go to my blog and read all my very helpful articles. But what you could also do is have a look at people who you would, you know, I always have this kind of 10-year measure. Who's 10 years ahead of me in my career? What does their profile look like? Um, mm-hmm. And so for me, that's looking at people who are starting to take on board roles and are sort of doing not-for-profit or pro bono work, you know, things like that. So for Emma, you could look at, well, who do I want to be in 10 years? What sort of role do I want to be in 10 years? And you can look at the way they've written their profile, but do that in anonymous mode before you've written your profile. And I'm not suggesting for a minute that you should copy people's profiles, but this cultivation of voice for me, when I sort of shared my story with you and I think about how I write my profile, I've spent a lot of time in anonymous mode in the early days of my business looking at a whole lot of profiles to kind of go, oh, I like that. Oh, I don't like that. What's my version of that? How would mm. I describe that? How would So I'm not advocating cut and paste other people's profiles. I'm just saying seek comfort in the safety of other people's words and then that will really help your subconscious go, okay, you know, probably do it right at the next morning. This is how I'm going to write myself. And if you're anything like me, that stuff wakes yeah. me up at 3 o'clock in the morning. It's like ding. Yep, here's the idea. Mm. It's time to go. Don't put next to the bed. <laughs> you never get to see anyone else's resume. I mean, unless you're in a manager role or you know, as a recruiter. So this is your opportunity to see how do other people. It's good to have a squeeze. Yeah, how do other people talk about their experience? I love that. Have a squeeze. That's so Australian. <laughs> I haven't used the word squeeze for ages. I'm writing that down. Add that back to your vocabulary. <laughs> I love that. Have a squeeze. I just love that. Um, and I think I want to make a really important point about not looking at your resumes. Yes, Sarah, that is correct because you should tailor your resume for every opportunity. So can everyone be really careful of the build a resume option on your LinkedIn profile? Please don't. Please don't use LinkedIn to build a resume. Please Taylor, have a master regimen. I know you guys are going to talk about this and have talked about it, but they're completely different. A LinkedIn profile and a resume are completely different job search tools. I've heard people say, oh yeah, just a PDF your LinkedIn profile, just get a master copy of your resume and put it into PDF and put it in the featured section of your LinkedIn profile. No, please do not do that. Your resume needs to be tailored to every opportunity and they're written differently. So mm. please don't get a cut and paste of your last two roles, position, description and achievements and drop it into the experience section. Please inject some story into the way you write your LinkedIn profile. Give me a sense of in the experience why you chose that opportunity. What was the breadth and scope of your role? What were some key achievements? So key achievement statements are probably a little bit similar, but the rest should be written really differently and don't attach your resume. No, I completely agree with that. Um, They're two different things and Sometimes mm. some jobs will allow you to just apply with your LinkedIn profile and you don't need a resume and LinkedIn likes to pretend that they are the, the digital resume. Um, it's not the same. It's not. No. It's not. Don't believe the hype. And on the recruiter side, it looks kind of lazy. Like you didn't even, 
write your resume. You just, oh, yeah, my profile, that'll do. <laughs> yeah, which means you're not even going to get a look in. Yeah. You're not even, you're not setting yourself up for success. So the, the fundamental difference is your LinkedIn profile is you as an individual. Probably what the recruiter will do is you'll get through because you've done a beautiful mastered resume and a cover letter that's keyword optimized to completely talking to the recruiter and making their life so easy to get onto the I want to talk to you pile. And at that point, they will look at your LinkedIn profile forever and probably your socials, but let's just talk about LinkedIn, the evidence to say, is this a consistent story? Is this person, you know, all of the things that they say they are and, oh, do we have any mutual connections? So we instantly know that Sarah is going to be looking at you and saying, oh, I can see that person's connected to, I'm going to ring that person and ask them what they're like. Mm. And you want, I mean, coming back to sort of, the benefits of LinkedIn, I think if you're a job seeker, you want to have control over your online identity. So lock down, if you're an active job search, lock down all your privacy settings on all the other platforms. And I know you've dedicated a whole episode to this and really let LinkedIn do its work as a massive platform that has so google searches right Mm. i want everyone to go to their local library or go into incognito mode on their laptop and type their name in and see what comes up and in an ideal world it's your linkedin profile because you've filled in all the details it's very well optimized which just means you've filled in all the key information and so that's what people see when they look you up online not other things that would make you less employable. (laughs) You want to list what those things are because you're not going to be doing that. You're going to be using your LinkedIn profile to control the information because you need to be in this modern world. I'm sure I imagine some people have um, watched the social dilemma. Um, You really need to be in control of your digital as much as you can be in control of your digital presence. (laughs) Okay. We touched on before that we hadn't um, spoken about it yet, but what kind of content should you post on LinkedIn? Because posting content is a way to boost the profile, make you more relevant. What kind of things do you want to see? I think there's two types of posting. And I do talk about this in the context of networking too. I think there's passive posting and there's active posting. So, and that applies to networking as well. So the passive posting is taken my advice you set up the profile it's talking to what you want to be known for and the people you're trying to influence so it's a well-written profile you've then curated your newsfeed so the first step with posting is to really the activity could be liking commenting sharing so we haven't created any of our own content at this point we're just seeing authoritative articles interesting updates that are in that are completely consistent with how we want to show up as a professional on linkedin and That alone can be all people do on posting because depending on your public profile settings, people can actually look at your profile even when they're not connected to you. I can actually look at your profile with your, and I recommend complete public profile visibility even without being logged into LinkedIn and I can view your activity. So one of the first things uh, people will do if they're checking you out on LinkedIn for a variety of reasons, and we've gone through what those reasons might be, is have a look at, click on activity, bless you, and have a look at what you might be lacking. So I think that um, people will look at your activity. So you want to sort of think about, um, you know, one of the common mistakes people do is to engage with rants and inappropriate behavior on LinkedIn. And I don't you hate it with. And yeah, so you want to be really careful from a professional perspective of what you like and comment on and not engaging in rants. So that's sort of the passive posting that I know you're not actually posting, but by commenting, 
your na- every time you comment, like, engage with any content, so engaging means you can have six different reactions on LinkedIn. You can like, you can love, you can find it insightful, you can find it curious, you can, there's always different reactions. Have fun with that. Or you can comment, which means if you've reacted or you've commented, it comes up in your newsfeed and people see, they associate your name with that comment. So there's a concept in marketing, here we go, using my previous training of brand osmosis, right? So the things that I associate myself with, the topics that I talk about, by default, they kind of rub off on me. So if we're always sort of complaining about our premiers and our our leaders of our country, how is that going to reflect on you professionally? Not well. However, if you're sharing innovative solutions or liking and commenting on things that are consistent with where you're heading in your career, then that's going to serve you really well. And it's going to tell a potential stakeholder, whether that be an employer or whoever, what you're like as a professional. So you need to be quite strategic. So the active posting I want people to be really careful with that. So unless you're really trying to establish thought leadership and you're choosing to publish LinkedIn articles and you're a lover of the written word and good at writing um, or you're a good videographer, be careful with posting and think carefully about sharing content that's adding value to your community. So you um, you can create polls, you can create events, you can just post text updates. Um, There's this real theme post-COVID of people demonstrating vulnerability on LinkedIn and showing their (laughs) pre-LinkedIn profile photo of looking very slick, sorry, pre-COVID LinkedIn photo of looking very slick in corporate and their post-COVID photo of, you know, leisure outfit and wet hair. I mean, it's still a professional networking platform, right? So think carefully about what you post. So here's some examples of what you could post. You go to a conference, you go to a professional development event, you're at a Zoom event online event you would share you know thank you to mention so the and mention the people who led or facilitated the community um, or that particular conference and say what you enjoyed about it or six or 12 months into your podcast and you decide to share here are the six things I've you know I'm gonna write you might write a LinkedIn article Emma here are the six things I learned about running a podcast with my sister and how our middle sister feels about the fact that she wasn't invited you know (laughs) (laughs) But, you know, so you've really got to think about what do I want to be known for? Who am I trying to influence? How is the content that I post reflecting that? How am I adding value to the communities who I serve? So you might choose to do a LinkedIn article once a quarter, once a month. You could add it in the featured section. If you're in active job search, I would be very, very careful with that step. If you blog, it would make lots of sense for you to do that. If you vlog, it would make lots of sense for you to apply for LinkedIn Live and stream live from your profile. So it just depends. The posting, I like people to be cautious though, not to sort of go, oh, I've got to post something on LinkedIn this week. It's not Instagram. It's your professional self and it's a footprint that will be there in the future. Yeah, and I've also noticed as well with um, you know the posts that I've done, that they, they're not quite the same as other social um, platforms like Facebook or Instagram. They don't disappear off the feed after a day. Yeah. Um, you might get a week and a half, two weeks, three weeks later, someone commenting on that, that post that you put up. So I think it's it's definitely quality versus quantity yeah. on LinkedIn is what I've found. Absolutely. And that's where you need to tread carefully. I mean, I've got two particular articles that I wrote back in, one was in 2017, one was in 2019. Now one is 
how to browse LinkedIn profiles anonymously, Emma. And I've chosen this great picture (laughs) of three guys in a suit and they've got this sort of Japanese mask on. And so I think the visual is really compelling. And I also think the title of the article is heavily Googled. So what's happening is people are Googling how to browse LinkedIn profiles anonymously. And then my LinkedIn article is actually coming up. And so every single week since 2017, I've had two comments this week. People will comment and ask me something about, they'll just come in because they'll go, oh, LinkedIn expert. Um, She's written an article on it. I can see 350 comments. I'm going to ask another comment. So people just use it like LinkedIn help desk. I'm going to ask a question about it. So um, I've also got another one, how to mention people and organizations in a LinkedIn, you know, in, in the comments and in a LinkedIn update. That's something that people Google a lot. Posts are not as searchable on the internet, but LinkedIn articles are quite searchable. So, and you can also use that to your advantage, which I do, but I'm not in active job search. So you need to be really careful with that um, element. And I just think take the philosophy of engage meaningfully, share valuable insights and updates. If you love an article, share the link, tell people why you loved it. Like just, you know, share information that you think is genuinely going to help people. If you see people in their update share something, cheer them from the sidelines, congratulate them, you know, let them know that you're engaging with their content and that you think they're fabulous. I mean, there is nothing wrong with coming from the place of being positive, encouraging and collaborative. I think that will serve anyone's personal brand really well on LinkedIn, which is why I really like the idea of this sort of passive posting, you know, right off the back of other conversations, get into conversations with other people, share your opinion, give a perspective. I don't want people to feel pressure to post. You can, but there's lots of other things you can do. Yeah, that's so true. So what is one of the most common reasons that you find that people come to Think Bespoke um, for their help with their profile or in in their kind of networking profile building uh, process? Well, often it's people want to understand how to write their profile properly. So they're either moving into active job search or they're thinking about their next career move. So LinkedIn profile updates are something that we're known for and we've done since I, way back when, when I first wrote resumes and then I moved into writing LinkedIn profiles. The second one is really the, just the how to network on LinkedIn and that sort of networking etiquette. So we heard Emma talk about she had this sort of block around the profile, which I think we've resolved tonight, Emma, for people who have the profile and want to play, like they want to have more presence on LinkedIn, but they're not really sure where to start. It's that sort of, Karen, can you just hold my hand and help me work out my game plan for LinkedIn? So that might be people who have a point of view or they want to sort of progress within their career and they want the, some people, some of my clients get told by organizations, you're not um, active enough on LinkedIn. So that's certainly from senior leaders. I've got a, a client who's sort of now moving into board roles and she's in a previous role, she was told you are not allowed to really have an online presence in the role that she's just moved into because she's in a customer facing role. It's really expected of her that she will engage online. And I, I think it's sort of for more methodical, careful, deeper thinkers and maybe don't have as extroverted behaviors, but that sounds a bit anti extrovert. I think extroverts can be methodical as well. Um, that are a little bit cautious and just, Karen, show me how to do LinkedIn properly. Show me how to navigate it in a way that I'm not alienating my community. I'm not looking up the wrong people. I'm I'm using the right manners really and I'm adding value and getting value from it as well. 
Awesome. And can you tell us about a success story of you or like a client or someone you know where an amazing opportunity came out of networking on LinkedIn? Is there just a lovely little story? Well, I have well, I have two. So one is a gentleman who, uh, <laughs> sorry, it's just funny because I've um, thought about what happened. So I had this thing come up that said, oh, you know, this gentleman has been celebrating 15 years at a particular company. And I sent him a message and said, are we celebrating or are we commiserating? Like 15 years, is that sort of, is that a, and I know him well, right? So it's an example of using notifications to start a conversation. Um, and he said, look, actually, Karen, I'm so glad you've messaged me. Yes, we need to get my uh, LinkedIn profile sorted. So we went down the path of really being clear about what did he want to be known for? Who was he trying to influence? And he was moving out of a mainstream event business and wanted to run events in councils. So we updated his profile and then he went through the process of, you know, what do I do? And he started to just re reach out to connections and say, hi, how are you going? And so in the process of doing that, he got invited into an interview process with a local council and secured his job. So he didn't have to go oh. down this. Yeah, it was a great story because um, he hadn't tended to his LinkedIn garden. He hadn't really taken it seriously and he hadn't leveraged his network. So and they're the basics. Like that's not a sophisticated job search. That's a, I'm going to fix my profile and then I'm going to reach out to the people that I know. And I think Sarah, that'd probably be your experience too, that you can, you know, there's this concept of the hidden job market. So there's this idea that yeah. you can get opportunities created for you through your network. And that's why it's really important. Your profile's written to your goals and that you are conversational in your approach because he could have just turned around and said, I am great. Everything's fine. But he took the opportunity to say, look, actually, Karen, and you know, lots of conversations can be started like that. I know the first thing Emma's going to do is write her profile. She's going to send me an invitation to connect. Say, Karen, you know how you said you're going to invite me into opportunities. These are the specific <laughs> opportunities that I'd like to be invited into. And I welcome that because that's just using LinkedIn well. So I think it's some um, really using LinkedIn to your advantage, thinking about why you want to use it and then being active on it each and like every other day to kind of go, well, what's the information that's being presented to me? What does that mean in terms of a conversation starter? Because in the context of this crazy world we're living in at the moment where in real life events are happening. I did go to a, you know, a business women's lunch the other day. It was fabulous, but we are spending more time online. And so LinkedIn's a way for you to stay meaningfully connected to people who you um, either know or would like to get into a conversation with for, you know, potential opportunities. Yeah. Um, on the flip side of that, do you have any <laughs> LinkedIn horror stories for us? And you, you alluded to the Tinder thing before, but maybe you've got a, a different example. Horror stories. Um, well, I had one guy. I really don't like sales behavior. And any time you try to sell to me directly or, I mean, it's a bit inappropriate, but there needs to be some foreplay, right? There needs to be, there needs to be mm. a building of relationship before you start to try to sell to me. So there was this particular guy that sent me an invitation to connect and maybe I broke my own rule about connection criteria and I thought, oh, we're on the side of openness and I accepted it and bang, you know, within 24 hours, this very transactional email came through. And these were in the days where I, I sort of wanted to fight the good fight. I still want to fight the good fight. I just fight it a little bit differently now. You know, some of this detailed sort of salesy thing and I noticed a typo in it. So I sent, I, <laughs> you know, I love a ah, typo for yes. feedback. 
I know, we'll say you can relate I love, to this. Live for uh, this. A nerd at my heart, um, and I celebrate that fact. So I sent him an email back, and I sent him a message back, and said, you know, thanks for trying to sell directly to me on LinkedIn. Um, I want to ask you a question. What's your conversion rate like with these sorts of messages? And by the way, there's a typo in your message down below. So he sends me, and I, you know, I was nice in the way I said it. However, we're already in a slightly confront, confrontational situation because he's, you know, hello, who speaks to, you know, it's like if I met you in an in real life event and, and didn't know you and handed you a brochure and said, I really think you need my LinkedIn profile update services here, here, take it, take it. Like that is just rude. It is bad behavior. It's not correct business etiquette. So his response was hilarious. He, he, um, messaged me back and said, oh, well, um, I have, this is my conversion rate, which for me compared to my conversion rate with the way I do things was really low. And, you know, I don't think my services are suited for small minded people like you. And I just went, thank you. You've just revealed yourself to me as I revealed myself to him. Like he knew where I was coming from. And so, you know, didn't do anything else, probably unfollowed him, didn't block him because I thought, oh, we're having fun yet. Like this is really fun. And then about six weeks later, I got exactly the same message. So obviously, and everyone needs to be aware of this, there's a whole lot of services out there that are either plugging in via third-party apps to people's profiles and sending automated messages. And so there's, there's two problems with this. The first part is that it's bad business and bad sort of relationship building. The second part is that you can, with certain behaviours related to those apps and third-party plugins, which contravenes the LinkedIn user agreement, you can get put into LinkedIn jail. So you've got to be very, very careful with that conduct. The sales behaviour, I've, I've seen so much of it. And my favourite was always when someone would try and use um, a connection request with someone important and used as, as an excuse to email you, we would constantly get people saying, well, I've been speaking to your CEO when what they actually meant was that they sent them the connection request. Um, and you just, I, the trickery kind of stuff um, doesn't work. I think be authentic on the platform. Absolutely. And it's just icky, right? And for, the, for that reason, I've locked down my privacy settings because um, and so I'm open to connecting, but once you're connected with me, you can't see my email because the number of people that put me onto an email list because I was a connection and they just thought, well, I'm going to export all of my list or sent those sorts of messages and could see my mutual connections. They just can't do that now. And I've also clicked my profile over to follow. So it's difficult to send me an invitation to connect, but that's a, I'm a totally different ball game. It's, it's because of the type of person that I am and my LinkedIn expertise, But I guess my point to anyone listening is take control of your privacy settings and think about what sort of user experience um, that you want to have on LinkedIn and be confident in having that LinkedIn user experience. Make sure it's a tool that helps you, not a tool that makes you accessible for salespeople. Yeah, absolutely. Well, thank you so much, Karen. This has been an awesome conversation. So on that note of your profile, where can people find out more about you and your business and your services? So you can check us out. I assume you'll put this in the show notes, but Think Bespoke, yeah, my website, come and say hi. There's a blog um, there that I write about dedicated category to LinkedIn profile. Check out the resources page. I've got some free downloads, especially the LinkedIn profile checklist. Uh, I might give you the details of that so people can just say, I know she went through the 
things that I need to consider, but um, have a look at the LinkedIn profile checklist. And of course, anyone that's listening that um, wants to have a conversation about LinkedIn, please um, invite me to connect. You, you might be able to work out how to do it or follow me on LinkedIn. And you can also find me on Instagram and you'll meet my cat called Archie, who has a whole ah! highlight. Yeah, Archie the cat. I love cats. Well, he went walkabout recently because we just got a dog and he wasn't very happy about that. And as oh, my Archie. I'll tell you what, as my vet nurse said to me, dogs will forgive you, Karen, but cats won't. Cats and won't, so- no. They remember. <laughs> so if you're not um, super confident on LinkedIn yet, but you do want to say hi, you can also find me on Instagram, which is at Think Bespoke. Happy to um, be reached out to on LinkedIn or Instagram. And I guess that wraps us up for today. We've had a huge um, conversation about all things LinkedIn. I hope anyone out there who is considering making a profile, you're jumping on tonight, you're creating it, you're taking all the tips today including getting that LinkedIn checklist that sounds like an awesome resource um so thanks very much Karen for joining us pleasure thanks for having me ladies I've really enjoyed it thanks so much for listening to interview boss if you want to hear more from us make sure you hit subscribe we're a new podcast so if you liked this episode we'd really appreciate it if you could give us a review so we can help even more people For more advice, inspiration, and a supportive community, join us in the Interview Boss Facebook group. If we've been your job search besties and helped you in some way, there's a cool way you can support the show. Shout us a virtual coffee. We get a huge kick out of reading all of your success stories. Head to buymeacoffee.com forward slash interview boss and shout us a cuppa. If you keep us caffeinated, we can keep the content coming.